dream is different this time. It starts in the dark, like always, but this time I'm laying down. I'm curled up on something rough. I lift my head up. I feel like I'm moving. Oh my god. I'm inside the fish. I'm laying on its tongue. But, but it's like its tongue is the whole bottom of the inside of the fish. And the inside of the fish is huge. It's like the whole thing is hollow. And it has ridges like the inside of a throat. I stand up and look around. It's daytime outside and the light is coming through the mouth and eyes like windows. I just stare at that ghostly daylight face, swaying slowly side to side as the fish swims. I have a sudden urge to look out, to look out of the mouth. So I walk to the front of the tongue. I walk right up to its giant jaws. The bone blades open just a little, and then they close and I feel the water come in, wash over my face, push my hair back. Outside I can see the tops of rocky spires, like underwater mountains or something passing underneath us. And I want to see, I want to look, but that means I have to lean my head out of its mouth between its jaws. I think about it. Another intake of water blows my hair back. The mouth is exactly the height of my head, and I reach out and I touch the bone jaw, and then I pull my hand back and wait. Nothing. Maybe the fish doesn't know I'm in here. I reach out and touch the jaw again, but this time I leave my hand on it. Nothing. Just the rhythm of swimming. God, it feels so sharp. I swallow and I lean my head out over the razor edge. And I look down into the water at the rocky spires passing underneath, but they aren't spires. They're not mountains. They're buildings. The tops of tall skyscrapers, all fuzzy and covered in moss and algae. It's a whole city. It's downtown Cleveland. I wake up. The bright late morning sun is coming through the windows of the guest bedroom. My hand immediately goes to my dick. But it's soft. I get up and put on my wrinkled red shirt and slog my way to the zoo for work. On my way, I text Luke, just a simple, hey, W-I-D, but he doesn't answer. He never responded to my good night text last night either. Like, maybe he's mad about the cakes? I don't know. I almost walk into traffic because I'm staring at the message thread. I stop at Settler's Coffee and I text him again. I say I had another fish dream. They're getting weirder. I watch my phone intently as I cream and sugar my coffee. I use the simple syrup even though it's hot coffee just to have a hand free for my phone. But nothing. I get to work. Maybe he's still asleep. He is pretty nocturnal. Work is stupid. 
were understaffed, so I spent six and a half hours straight at the roller coaster podium. I stopped saying that whole debriefing room line about three hours in. And I text Luke a few more times, but he still doesn't answer. And then I just run out of things to text without feeling like a crazy creep. Now it's a half an hour before close and I'm only just now getting a lunch break because Tammy Jammers, who usually watches the ride while I'm out on break, called out sick today. She said she had food poisoning, but I know she's just hung over. Her last Instagram post was at 3 a.m. last night and it was a picture taken with a flash of Taco Bell that she put on a plate. I go out to the main drag to get food like I always do, but the only food stand still open is the hot dog stand. And I just can't with those. They're like the same temperature and texture as a human body, so they make your mouth feel like it's kissing someone you don't like. Hot dog, lukewarm dog more like. A breeze blows. It's getting colder. So I go back inside, into the hall of history, which is this, this long, stupid hallway in the same building as the roller coaster. I have to walk through it every day when I go on lunch break, but I never actually stop because I only get 30 minutes for lunch break and it takes 20 minutes just to get through the fucking food line, so I have to run through there. And it's just like dusty plaques and old maps and stuff. There's like a few weird old exhibits that don't work. It's like where grandparents go to hang out on hot days, which you would think meant that they had more places to sit down, but... I look down at my phone again. Nothing. There's also this weird music playing. And it's skipping. Like, I look up and see a wall with the words who's who painted really big on the top of it. And underneath there's like a bunch of buttons with flaps. I run my finger around one of the buttons. And just like accidentally the button pushes in and this voice recording starts to play. It's Critch. You love grapes and naps. Before your life here at the Pepper Heights Zoo, you were an animal pioneer for NASA and actually went into space. After that, you spent many years at an interstate sideshow in the Florida Panhandle, doing a high society routine. To this day, you still listen to opera to fall asleep. Which Pepper Heights animal friend are you? The recording ends. I lift up the flap. It says, you are the chimpanzee, Madame Beauregard. Great, it's creepy. I look back down at my phone. Still nothing. It's not that I like. It's not that I like need to talk to him or anything. It's just that. It's just the not knowing is fucking awful. Like, just text me back. How hard is it to text somebody back? I look back at the wall. There's an arrow pointing to a smaller red button next to Madame Beauregard's name. And it says, push button to hear your favorite aria. But the button is stuck, pushed in. Which totally explains the skipping music. Jesus Christ. It's probably an actual CD player behind this fucking wall with this place. I look at my phone. Fucking nothing. Earlier in the day, right after I asked if he was mad, I saw the little dots. You know, the little dots that mean somebody's typing back. And I, I watched them, and then they disappeared. And they never started again. And ever since then, my head has just been full of all the little voices that say all the little things... Fuck, and now they have music. That's great. Yeah, I don't really care where he's at. 
And why are there so many buttons in this exhibit? Like, there's no way there's this many animals that still live here. Like, most of the exhibits are shut down. These animals are probably dead. And the seven that are here are not the kind of animals you want to, like, push a button and hear about, right? They're like retired circus freaks and, and movie animals that can't work anymore. It's like this whole place just attracts washed up showbiz animals. Yeah, thanks, I connected that. I look down at my phone, again. Nothing, again. I don't even know why I keep checking. I mean, I turn my vibration notifications on so I would have to check, but I still check. So I open up Instagram to see if he's posting there, but he's not. It's just the picture that he posted late last night, the one of the blue hand on his neck that we took in front of the tunnel. It's already got like 3,000 likes, Jesus Christ. I check my text again. Now, why am I checking it? I'm holding it. So I open up Grinder. I check his profile. He's not on. It says he hasn't been on in hours. So I open up my text again, and I just look at it. I just look. Oh, why won't he text? Because he'd rather spend time with strange old men than talk to me. It's like they practice in there when I'm sleeping. Jesus. I look back up from my phone. Now I'm in front of some sort of ice age diorama. Like, wh- Why? There's a caveman standing over a wolf that he's just killed, and there's blood everywhere. And behind that, really small in a cave, there's a woman and a child waiting for him all terrified. But right next to the cave in the dark where you can't see is another wolf, and nobody sees it. And then another face appears in the glass. I turn around. It's Critch, or like Critch's face on a TV in an exhibit on the opposite wall. I walk over. He's younger. It's weird seeing young Critch. I mean, it's like still my boss, but you know, smoother. It's some sort of like special news piece from like 20 years ago. No, I certainly think the people over at Stonefall Labs can appreciate what we are doing here. And for the record, I do not believe that they are covering up any discoveries of alien life. That's quite frankly preposterous. I can assure you they were in fact only doing a geological survey of the moons of Jupiter on contract from NASA like they say. I just think they came up empty-handed and didn't want to make a big deal of it. We all have swings and misses sometimes, but I thought I'd take my own swing. Boy, his smile hasn't changed, that's for sure. The video ends. And there's a black screen with a logo that says the Zenark Corporation. I see my face on the screen. It's taken me a couple weeks working here to piece it all together, but I do sort of know a little bit about what Critch is talking about in this video. See, in the late 50s, the Stonefalls built this private research and development site called Stonefall Labs on the other side of the woods from the zoo. All sorts of things were developed there over the years, everything from like ketchup recipes and zip ties to lots of darker things I'm sure we don't know about. Like they famously patented the first answering machine, for example. It was as big as a room. It got sabotaged by this secret group of secretaries though, which is a cool story, but later. Anyway, because of some sort of technology that they had patented, they got a contract from NASA in the 80s to survey Jupiter's moons, to look for the possible presence of a specific isotope of helium called helium-2. Now, scientists thought helium-2 was going to be like the rocket fuel of the future. 
It was going to revolutionize space exploration, they thought. And this was all public knowledge. There was even a little article in the paper, but nobody really cared. However, Stonefall Labs found nothing. Zip. And at first, they just said that there was problems with their equipment. But then weeks went by. And then months, and they said nothing. And they stayed quiet for so long that it started to attract attention. And people started to say maybe they in fact had found something a lot more interesting than helium deposits on the moons of Jupiter. Which, of course, that blew up like a house fire, and pretty soon there was this huge conspiracy theory and speculation and a media frenzy. But at the same time, while that was all going on, the young Elias Critch had just taken over the helm of the Pepper Height Zoo from his late father, Eddie. Despite the fact that another Critch in charge of the zoo was like the last thing the Stonefalls wanted. But Eli was intent on leaving his mark and he vowed to turn the zoo into a profitable enterprise, rather than just another suckling on the Stonefall money teat. So he said, I have an idea. How about a full-on theatrical roller coaster experience called Jupiter's Lifeless Moons? The whole story inspired by the controversy. It was supposed to be this stepping stone into becoming a real amusement park. But he never made the money back. Like, not even close. He put the zoo into permanent debt. The Stonefalls never let him live it down. And it only took a couple of years before the entire context was completely buried anyway. Pretty soon nobody remembered anything at all about the Stonefall Labs Jovian Lunar Survey scandal, you know. But the ride stayed. Here it is after all these years. The video starts to replay. Critch starts talking again. And I start to walk away. But I notice something I didn't see before. A rough disc with a hole in the middle hanging from a string around young Critch's neck. A disc with a hole in the middle. John Stonefall. What the... I check my phone. Still nothing. Why can't he just text back? Probably not. Maybe I fucked it all up again. Probably. Maybe I'll never know again. Well, that seems a little melodramatic. Why do I even care? Yeah, why do I even care? Do I even care? I don't think I even care. This is textbook patriarchal communication! Maybe he's not answering for a reason. I know he's mad at me for eating his cakes. Guilt! Which I did eat his cakes. Guilt! And lied to him. Guilt! Guilt! Why do I feel guilty? Resentment. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Cora's just a crazy lady. Resentment. And the cakes were sent to the wrong house. I don't know if that's Why do I care? I don't even like him at all. I'll tell you where he's at. He's off somewhere being young and stupid. Wall him off, wall him off, wall him off. He's off somewhere not knowing what he wants. 
We just met. Yeah, we just we met. Just met. He's too laid back. He's too laid back. He sleeps on the floor of an empty house. I wish I could sleep on the floor in an empty house. But I can't. Because I have real responsibilities. Like he doesn't do anything. Do anything. Maybe he does and I just haven't asked. Do anything, I didn't do anything. Maybe I'm the one no. being a total dick. No. Maybe I'm being a dick. I didn't do anything. He's just a narcissistic twink. Yeah. He's just a narcissistic twink. Yeah. A narcissistic, masochistic, fetishistic, sort of cryptic, dirty, little, selfish, fucking twink. Would rather be hit by stranger men than talk to me. Yeah, but I don't. I need to get out of here. Where are the doors? Where are the doors? I just need some air. I fall through the double doors. Out onto the main drag. Oh, God. The air is cool, but it feels good. And there's like silence for a minute. And at least in my head. I hear an age guesser guessing his last customer somewhere. A smattering of laughing through the trees. <sighs> and I reach for my phone out of like instinct, but then I stop myself. Because this is stupid. Like it's annoying that like there's some there's some sort of my body seems to have a question, like a body question that it keeps asking. My phone vibrates in my pocket. I pull it out. It's a grinder message. I open up the app. Oh, he's cute. His message just says, hey. It also says he's only 200 feet away. I look up and look around. I don't see anyone that looks like him. I look back at his profile. He's playfully flexing his arm in his photo and making a goofy face. Standing shirtless and soaking wet next to a pool in someone's backyard somewhere. And his dark hair looks darker because it's wet. And his underarm hair is pasted to his body in little black flames. His headline says Alex. I look at the time. I have another 20 minutes. <sighs> Fuck it. Hey, I say. What's up, he says. On break, I say. Me too, he says. You work at the zoo? No, Stonefall Labs. I came to get a hot dog. Wow, yuck, really? But I couldn't pass up an opportunity for a bad joke, so I said, Ah, you like wieners, huh? Koi emoji. Lol, yep, he says. Then, do you? And immediately he sends a picture of his dick. Whoa. Fuck, it's huge. It's thicker in the middle and curves really dramatically. And it's so hard in the picture that it looks like a dead thing that is swollen up on the side of a path. Wow, I say. I'd love to put that in my mouth sometime. Koi face.
You should, he says. How about now? Where, I say? Men's bathroom by the Dippin' Dots. No one's ever in there. I'm by there now. Fuck, my heart is racing. The zoo closes in half an hour and there's like nobody here. And he's right, that bathroom is so out of the way that nobody uses it hardly. Even the Dippin' Dots guy won't be there because he's watching the roller coaster for me right now. I look down at his message again. Then at the clock, 17 minutes left. My heart is getting quicker. Okay, I say, I'll come now. I'll be waiting inside, he says. Okay. A few seconds later, I'm cutting across the main thoroughfare, walking quickly. The breeze is cool on my face. The stands have mostly all closed and the rides are shutting down. The few people that are out are all workers, all walking the same direction to the front gate. Their faces lit from underneath by their own phones. I come around the corner by the closed up Dippin' Dot stand and I stop. There it is, the squat gray bathroom building with that rusty water fountain on the side that hasn't worked for so long that an out of order sign is no longer required. And I see the door of the men's bathroom. It's closed, but there's an edge of searing white light all around the heavy metal door. Okay, 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 okay. I walk up to it. I look around. Nobody. The whole building seems to have a low hum. I take a breath. And I open the door. There's a loud metal creak as the door opens, and the door catches on the concrete floor and doesn't shut all the way. I kick it a couple times until it does. The metal bangs ring and echo off the tile. Then I round a tiled wall into the bright restroom and I see him, standing at the far left urinal, his back to me. He doesn't look back or move, the cold white lights buzzing and flickering all around. I check the stall on the other side of the little room. It's empty, its door off one of its hinges and hanging there like an open jaw. I walk up slowly to the far right urinal, side-eyeing the guy. I keep a urinal between us. I get there and I start to undo my pants. The light directly above the urinals is buzzing loud. I glance over at him, but he doesn't look back at me or anything. He doesn't talk or move or acknowledge me at all. Like, what the fuck? I mean, it's definitely him. And he's standing away from the urinal so that I can see his dick, but he's just peeing. I look back at the wall. And then I look back over at him. He is handsome, though. He's a few inches taller than me and muscular. In baggy Carhartt pants and a large, dirty gray t-shirt. There's pain on his elbows and grease on his arms. I look back straight ahead. Okay, now what? I start to panic. I try to pee, but I really don't have to go. One more time, I look over. He's done now, shaking his dick. God, even soft, it's big. But he's still ignoring me. He's still shaking it. Like, way longer than he should. Okay. It starts to get bigger as he swings it around. And then he starts pulling on it. And I'm just standing there, watching him out of the side of my eye, holding my own dick in my hand. God, it's getting bigger and bigger and less floppy. 
and slowly his pulling turns into gripping and stroking and it gets thicker and tighter until after about a minute it's as thick as I saw in the pick earlier. God, it looks angry. And I'm watching his hand run the length of it back and forth, trying not to look like I'm looking, lost in the rhythm. When I hear it, you want it? A voice coming from everywhere at once. I look up at the side of his face, straight at it. The lights above flicker a little. That had to be his voice, but he's still not looking at me. He's just watching his hand move over his own dick. But as I'm looking at the side of his face, I see his lips move, and I hear his voice again. Come here. Get on your knees. I take a breath. I turn, and I walk up next to him. I can smell his cologne. And I kneel down in front of the urinals. The floor is hard and a little wet on my knees. I try not to think about why. He turns, swinging his dick toward my face. And finally, his eyes look down into mine. The light is buzzing and pulsing above him. His body's like a silhouette. And then he reaches down and puts his fingers in my mouth. They smell like solvents and metal. And he feels around like he lost something in my teeth. And it doesn't seem like this would be hot, but God, something about it really is. And then he opens my mouth wider with his fingers and takes them out, traces the wetness of my spit up my face, and then grabs my hair and slowly puts his dick in, past my lips and then past my tongue, gentle but also steady. And I feel it hit the back of my throat and stop. He grips my hair harder and looks down at my eyes. I don't know how, but I sort of nod with my face and eyes and make a sort of uh-huh sound. And he smiles and puts more pressure in his thrust. I feel my throat iris out like a dark, wet camera. And he slides all the way down until my face is against his body. He just holds me against him and he breathes. I feel the entire inside of my throat and head stretched over his dick. I feel it reaching down into my chest. I feel like a butterfly on a pin. This smell fills my nose. It's a thick, sweaty smell, the smell of baseball and locker rooms and the back of the bus. He just looks down at me. And I look up at him. And the light buzzes. bathroom door. He yanks his dick out of my throat. <coughs> it almost makes me puke. And then I scramble to my feet and quickly get to the urinal. He turns and does the same. We both just stare at the wall in front of us. Become strangers again. I hear someone round the tile wall behind us. I hear Alex zipping up his pants and flushing. Quick. I do the same. I wipe the water from my eyes and I go to leave, but as I turn, I see the person who entered. It's the Dippin' Dots guy. Trey. Oh, hey, man. Wait, you're not still watching the ride? <laughs> nah. I guess some little girl dropped her teddy bear on the track, so I closed it up early. But I left her number on the control console. But you didn't go get it? Oh, fuck no. I'm not climbing all those jank-ass ladders. Alex brushes past Trey and heads out of the bathroom. Trey doesn't even look at him. It's funny what straight boys just can't see in bathrooms. I watch Trey disappear into the slack jaw of the stall without even trying to close the door. 
And then I hear him start to pee. Later, dude. I get back to the roller coaster. It takes like 20 seconds. I go into the side door. The door shuts behind me. And I take a breath. That was fucking intense. It all feels like it didn't happen, but it just happened like a minute ago. Like I can still smell the dude on my face. Whoa. All the colored lights and space music are gone, and the big overhead lights are on, but I know Trey's dumbass didn't do any of the other closing duties. I walk up to my podium and I see the ride is switched into its standby mode, which means that both cars are nestled into the shuttle bay and the power is off to the ride. In order to turn it all back on again, you need to put a special key in and turn the red lever. And you hear a big kerchunk and the whole building sort of comes alive and the lights change and the music starts. But now it just looks like bad props and old paint in a bright warehouse, which is what it is. There's the note Trey was talking about, though. It just says, little girl lost Teddy on ride. And then a phone number. Not even a name. The keys are next to the note. I take them both and put them in my pocket. I finish the rest of the closing duties. Sweep and mop the floors, wipe the glass on the doors, wipe the coaster cars down. And when everything is done, I go through the utility door into the underbelly of the ride to look for the damn teddy bear. Under the ride, there are work lights, these bare bulbs hanging from scaffolding, but they definitely don't work. So I pull out my phone and turn on the flashlight. It smells like laser tag. You know, that, that special effects smoke that they use? Half the time when people drop something, we find it in the net. And we're supposed to check the net once a week, but people never check it. Also, the net is so old that it has rips and tears and whole sections that have fallen down. It's like the web of a giant spider that got bored and said, fuck it, and crawled away years ago. So often things end up on the dusty floor 20 or 30 feet below. I walk to a place where I can look up through the skeleton of the roller coaster into the net by the big turn. That's usually where people drop things, the big turn. No teddy bear. I point my phone light down onto the concrete floor below it. Nothing. Anything new down in this dusty world is immediately visible for its lack of gray dust fuzz. If it has color, it's new. But I only see an endless field of small linty shapes. Fuck. There's one last place that things occasionally do end up. The moon platform. See, in the middle of the ride, there's this platform where the coaster stops, like full-on stops, and this video plays. It's supposed to be the surface of the moon that you land on, and it's where you meet the alien that makes the name of the ride ironic, I guess. I've never actually ridden the ride, so I don't know. But like a roller coaster with a video in the middle sounds like an awful idea. I'm standing at the base of the ladder to the platform, looking up. I give it a shake. It's so loose that it wobbles and buckles all the way up, moaning and creaking. I hear a screw fall somewhere in the dark. I take a breath and start to climb. I feel this sway and pull of my weight on the scaffolding. More creaking. I just climb faster and faster, just trying not to look. And finally I get up to the top of the platform and pull myself up. And dust myself off. I stand up and look around. 
The platform is decorated to look like the rocky surface of a moon. Foam rocks, gray paint, that kind of thing. Still no sign of a teddy bear, though. I start to look behind the foam rocks. Maybe it got thrown, but then I hear a sound. A huge kerchunk. The work lights go off. The color lights come on and space music starts. The building groans. Something huge in metal begins to slither below me. Fuck, someone's turned on the ride. I scramble to find the ladder in the dark, but I can't. And I hear the coaster rumbling in the walls. It's getting closer. Fuck, I don't know what happens if I'm up here when the coaster comes. So I try to find the ladder again, but one foot slips off the edge of the platform. Holy fuck. I like almost fall. Jesus, that would have killed me. It's like 30 feet straight down. The roar is getting louder and louder and louder. I pull my leg back up and I scoop behind a foam rock just as the coaster rounds the corner. There's a person in it. The coaster slows and stops, locks into place. The screen lights up and the video begins. And in the light of the video, I see that the person is Critch, sitting in the middle front seat of the coaster, watching the screen, his arms in front of him on the lap bar. The moonscape continues in the video, making it look like the surface of the moon goes on for miles. And then there's like eerie moon music playing. Well, then a green alien emerges from behind a rock in the video and it gets closer to us cautiously. And then it starts to speak. Greetings, Earthlings aboard Shuttle 5. I am a representative for the race of beings that has inhabited Moon 34, the planet you call Jupiter, for millions of years. Your civilization has remained unaware of our existence until this moment. We mean you no harm. We have no weapons. Our technology is meager, but we know why you've come. The resource you seek is plentiful here, but its retrieval would destroy our home and lead to our certain demise as we depend upon it for sustenance. We will restore your communications momentarily. However, we beg of you to not disclose our existence to your superiors upon your return. You must report no helium-2 on Moon 34. The future of our species rests in your hands, Earthlings of Shuttle 5. Good fortune and tidings to you. The video ends and the coaster comes unlocked and starts moving again. Critch faces front, and I see him wipe his eyes. I must have stood up during the alien speech. I crouch back down and hide again quickly. Fuck. I listen to the coaster disappear down another hill as the onboard computer says, Malfunction, malfunction. Returning to Jupiter Base 1. Roar fades. I breathe out. Then I get up and start feeling around for the ladder. A few minutes later, I fall through the utility door back into the launch room, almost coughing from the fake smoke. What the fuck was Critch doing riding a kid's ride all by himself in the middle of the fucking night? What a weirdo. I hear the coaster making the last of the big turns. I just want to get out of here. So I slip out quickly, the way that the kids go out, through the debriefing room. The debriefing room is just a room with two big light-up buttons under a sign that says Mission Report. I stop. Wait, the buttons... 
The buttons, I've never really understood them before now. There's a red one and a green one. And the red button says no helium present on moon. And the green button says helium present on moon. But it's the green button that's worn so much that it's barely legible. I get closer. The glow of green gets brighter on my face. I don't understand. The kids rat out the alien? That's fucked up. I reach out and touch the green button. It's rough from years of well-behaved, terrified children. But then, and I don't know why, really, I reach over and press the red button. It blinks three times. Good choice. It's Critch. I didn't hear him slip in. Oh, um, I was, I was just, uh, leaving. It's okay. He walks up beside me and looks at the buttons. It is curious. What's curious? Well, I didn't expect it either, but it's true. All the kids push the green button. He's not looking at me. He's staring at the green button. His fingers running over that same rough patch. They tell the truth because they know they're supposed to, or they will get in trouble. But the grown-ups, they choose red. He looks over at the red button. His hand drops, and his smile flattens. Because they know the truth about trouble. What's the truth about trouble? He turns towards me. I can see that his eyes are still wet. And his suit is, like, way too shiny. And it's reflecting the red and green lights. He takes a step towards me. That you're always in trouble. And then leans down until his face is like right over mine. But sometimes, a little lie can really help with how much. The zoo is deserted. It's after close now. All the lights on all the rides are out. Critch said he would close up the ride and then I could go. So I start to head for the gate. I haven't checked my phone in a while, but just as I'm reaching for it, I hear something. A crying sound. Zoe. I stop. Something is different about the sound this time. I turn around and walk slowly along the side of the huge building that houses both the roller coaster and Zoe's enclosure. The sound usually sounds like it's far away, like in a cave, but this time it sounds very close. I round the corner, and there she is, only like 15 feet from me, in a small cement stall with an iron gate around it standing over a drain. She yelps when she sees me. I scream a little bit and turn to run around the corner and boom, I almost run into someone. Oh, I'm sorry, I... It's Jennifer. Did you miss me? Fuck, I should have known I'd see you. Wherever there's shadows and secrets, there you are a sneakin'. Look who's talking. You're the sneak tonight. Sneak? What are you even doing here? What are you even doing here? I'm at my job. It's a thing grown-ups do. Psh, grown-up? Nice shirt. I'm here for the rally, stupid. She holds up a flyer to my face like a brat. I recognize it from Emily's porch yesterday. 
Says save Zoe rally at the zoo. Fuck, that's today? I don't even know the date. I look back down at her stupid face. You know what? You ought to go back and say hi to your little friend Zoe. Stick your face through that gate and see if she'll kiss you. Jennifer looks at me with almost pity. And then she starts laughing. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> oh, Zoe can't hurt me. Why not? She steps closer to me. She's holding a piece of cardboard with Save Zoe written on it. Because Zoe, the zebra, is dead. Dream Boy is co-created by Dane Terry and Ellie Heyman. Developed and directed by Ellie Heyman. Written, composed, and performed by Dane Terry. Featuring Cecil Baldwin, Avery Drought, Michael St. Peter, Jake Sellers, and Chris Weingarten. Sound designed, engineered, mixed, and mastered by Chris Weingarten at Banana Peel Studio. Edited by Alexander Charles Adams. Creative producer and assistant director, Ashlyn Hatch. Associate producer, Adam Cecil. Executive producer, Christy Gressman. A very special thanks to Night Vale Presents. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DreamBoyPodcast. For more info and for merch, check out DreamBoyPodcast.com. I'm Joseph Fink, and I'd like to introduce you to I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats, a podcast about the shifting line between artist and fan. When I was a child, reading the authors that I loved and listening to the music that I loved, the thing I got from that is that feeling of, of being understood somehow, and that weird connection, where it's not the person, it's not the stranger, it's the thing they've made that opens this space for self-reflection. I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.